Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Believe in Lions. That is the number one Detroit Lions Believe podcast out there with the number one safety for the Detroit Lions, all pro Glover Quinn, as well as myself, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. And unfortunately, the Lions take another L. And it's even more disappointing because they went into half up 6-0 and lose 24 to 6. What happened to the highest scoring offense in the NFL, Glover? <laughs> we are saying that this is a league of playmakers and the defenses are very good. And when you do not have all of your guys, it is very, 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 very difficult to score. Not having DeAndre Swift takes that aspect of your game away. Jamal Williams is a good between the tackles runner, but he is not DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. He's not as explosive as DeAndre Swift is in the backfield. Not having a Monroe St. Brown, that opens up things for your tight end. That opens up things for the receivers on the outside because you have to pay so much attention to a Monroe St. Brown on the inside. When you don't have him and you don't have anybody on the outside, that teams fear. They don't have to double team anybody on the outside. They don't fear anybody on the outside taking them up top for 80. They don't have that fear. So now we can stack the middle, take TJ Hawkinson out of the game plan for the most part stuff the running game and put a lot of pressure on Jared Goff when the play action when the play action game is not there it's a struggle for Jared Goff we've seen him be somewhat decent throughout the first few games and then today he showed that he's still Jared Goff right i mean you cannot have four turnovers in the second half alone i mean five total turnovers i think in the second half as a team i think Jared Goff have four of those, three interceptions and a fumble right there at the end. So when you don't have all those things, it just it affects the whole offense. When you got DeAndre Swift, and now you can do different things with him and Jamal Williams. When you got Amon Ross St. Brown and DeAndre Swift, now you can do so many different things, and it opens up many things for other players on the offense. And your play calling can keep guys off balance, so that helps Jared Goff out. It just helps everybody out, and you can score those many points. When you don't have those guys, you're not as explosive. Defenses don't fear you. Just too, too, too difficult. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like mlb mma tennis hockey boxing and even golf head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100 welcome bonus with your first deposit make sure to use promo code believe to receive your rewards that's b-l-e-a-v Bet online where the game starts. And those turnovers really are the difference in this game because the first drive of the second half, Lions, they're up six to three. We're feeling good. We've got the ball. We can go up. What is it? 13. Yeah, we can go up 13 to three. And instead, Goff forces it against super, Trayvon super Diggs. Aaron throw. Yeah. And and that's the like that's game plan that like that's 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 film that that's not even film study that is just being uh NFL like Trayvon Diggs at this point probably has the best ball skills of all the corners in the NFL right now. We can say what we want to say about him as a cover guy, as all these different things. That does not take away from his elite ball skills. 
the ball go up in the air in his area, he can make plays on the ball. So you know, going into the game, I cannot throw the ball over there late. I cannot throw the ball over there blind. I cannot give a lot of 50-50 balls because, for one, Trayvon Diggs is probably bigger than all of the lines wide receivers. He doesn't look – I've not i never met him personally, but he doesn't look like a tiny corner. He looks to be 6'1", 6'2", somewhere in that range, tall guy, right? So he's you don't have anybody that's going to win a jump ball against Trayvon Diggs. You're not going over that late. So for you to just sling the ball over to his side of the field just errantly like that, awful. Completely awful. It was. It really was. Because I can understand. We've talked about this in the past. You can't completely avoid anybody. But don't force it to Trayvon Diggs when you're late, when you're getting hit. Why are you forcing it against the best player in that secondary. You can't do that. You just you just can't do that. And that's an awful decision. And the Cowboys took that. They took that momentum and they just went right down the field, running the ball behind Zeke, just bullet the lines all the way down the field for a touchdown. And that literally changed the whole momentum of the game. And the Lions actually made a came, they came back, right? They 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 bounced back. And then Jamal Williams fumbles at the two yard line. The second inadvertent fumble on the day. Second one. So I get it. Those fumbles happen because you're not expecting to get hit. But as a running back, you know that you have to protect the ball in traffic. Until you're out in the clear, you have to protect the ball. So in the first half, I think one of his old linemen, tight end, somebody got blocked and they end up kicking him. Yeah. Ball comes out, right? Now you get down at the goal line. O-line gets stuffed, so now they're back in your lap. As soon as you get the ball, you run into the back, ball is out, or however it happens. Just can't have it. You just cannot have that. You cannot be in a 13-3 game with an opportunity to to get some momentum back on your side and make the game 13-10, and you give up up a fumble right there in the the end zone. And that just led to, I feel like, I mean, for you to have five turnovers in the second half – Every possession the Lions had in the second half had to almost end in the turnover. Every last one of them. Pretty much. I think we got one punt off in the second half. Brutal. 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 The goal line kills me the most because when you go down 10 to 6, it's not that big of a deal. Obviously, it's frustrating, but, you know, hey, one score and we're back up. 13-10 game. This is easy. And so to fumble on the goal line – and for the Cowboys to, again, go down the field, milk some time off the clock. I can't remember if they scored on that one or the next one. Either way, it was a long drive. And then Goff fumbles twice. And- well, no. So when, when 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 we fumbled, I think they stopped the, the Cowboys because the Cowboys are backed up. You're right. But they punted to the Lions, and then Jared Goff throws the interception to Jordan Lewis. You're right. You're right. <sighs> That was a killer, too, because it, you're not forcing it to Trayvon Diggs, but you're forcing it over the middle to a player who's got leverage. And I, I know we don't have the all-22, so maybe he sees something different. But from our angle, it looked like Jordan Lewis had leverage the entire way. Yeah, it just wasn't a good pass, wasn't a good play, wasn't a good anything. And I feel like, for the most part, the, the offensive line did a great job. I felt like Jared Goff had plenty of time to throw the ball. Um, I thought they did a good job on on Michael Parsons and, and that D-line for the most part. I know they got in there a little later in the end, but that's what happens when they just teeing off on you now when they know the situation that you're in. But I thought for the most part, at least early in the game, I thought the O-line did a good job of, of you know, blocking. I mean, and I felt like they were running the ball decently as well. It's just when you have those turnovers in the second half and you allow them to go up two or three scores, now it just puts way too much pressure on you. You can't run the ball anymore. But, you know, that game was built for Jamal Williams' style. You know what I'm saying? We we tough. We hard-nosed. We four or five, six yards a pop. You know what I'm saying? We just going to see if we can stay in this game and win it at the end, the same way the Giants been playing. We're going to stay in this game and find a way to win it at the end. 
And when you start giving turnovers like that, you're taking points off the board every single time. And then when they're turning those turnovers into points, there's just no way you're going to win. Exactly. You cannot win in the NFL very often by turning the ball over. And you especially can't win as a quarterback who needs things to be perfect around him. Look at Daniel Jones. The Giants are winning because he is not turning the ball over and everything around him is just going well. He doesn't have to force it. Right. I mean, that, and that's what you that's what you want, right? You want to, you know, as long as you don't lose the game, right? The Giants are doing everything they can. They're playing tough defense. Saquon Barkley is looking amazing out there right now. And, hey, man, let's not, let's not turn the ball over. Daniel Jones, I mean, let's not forget, you know, a couple years ago, he broke out for probably an 80-yard touchdown run down the middle of the field. I think maybe he maybe he fell at the end or something like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But let's not let's not forget, you know, he can run a little bit, right? He's mobile enough to run the play action, to run the boots, right? I mean, you can't in on Saquon. We saw it at the end of this game, right? You can't in on Saquon. He boots out. Let's just not lose the game. Defensively, let's not give up big plays. Let's play tough. And we're going to find a way to win in the end. And that's what the Lions are not doing. They did it for the most part. I thought the defense played pretty good. I mean, I thought Jeff Okuda had a phenomenal day, at least tackling. I think he had 14 tackles on the day. He played pretty well. Like I say, especially in run. You know, I didn't see him make any real plays in the passing game. You know, he gave up a couple of slants, little things like that. None of that stuff beats you, but also you're not making plays either. And you can see one of the things when I talk about guys knowing how to make plays. They had a play in that game. Dak Prescott, first of all, the Detroit Lions let Dak Prescott off the hook way too many times. He yep. threw the ball, he threw the ball down the middle of the field way too many times late and the Detroit Lions didn't make him pay, right? But you see one of those plays, Kirby Joseph, right? He's throwing the ball down the middle of the field to C.D. Lamb. I think it was C.D. Lamb. Kirby Joseph gets credited for a pass breakup. He goes, and it's going to be a collision type of play, right? Because you're cutting in front of the receiver, and he goes to catch the ball with his hands. I know we always want to talk about who got great hands, right? In that moment, Kirby, you need to go up with your body, and go through DeAndre, not DeAndre, C.D. Lamb's body and make sure you catch the ball. Because if you just put your hands out there and he just put his hands out there, both you guys' hands are going to hit the ball and it's going to drop on the ground. When you want to make a play in that situation, you have to go up and jump through C.D. Lamb. I'm hitting him as I go up to catch the ball and I'm going to catch it with my body. But when you're not an interceptor, you don't know. You're trying to go catch it like this. You're not going to catch that ball. And that's one player I did want to ask you about is the young safety Kirby Joseph. Because, yeah, he could have had that interception, but he still made a play, which is something that doesn't happen enough. And he could have made a better play, but at least it's somewhat of one. And then he has the forced fumble later in the game. And so we've been talking about Who's that guy in the secondary who can become a playmaker? And obviously, Kirby's not quite there yet. He's still got a lot of more development to go. But is this kind of the first time we've seen someone able to make plays in this secondary outside of just good tackles? Yeah, I mean, he he only one that shows like flashes like that. I mean, yeah. like I said, the, the, the tackle that forced the form, but it's just, you know, that's a hard tackle. You take his legs out of the way and – you know he 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 drops the ball on on the flip, and then yes on the on the play down the middle, you know going at least get a pass break up and it, like, at least putting your hands up like you want to attempt to catch the ball. That 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 is that is a good sign, right? I mean, Deshaun Elliott is too late in the season to be cramping up. Like it's week seven, week eight, we can't be cramping up right now, especially in a in a big game like this. You know we we need you out there. Um, like I said, Jeff played amazing in the run game. Need to get more, um, you know, some more in the past game. Um, but, yeah, Kirby's the only one that's that's kind of shown that he's, like, trying to get to the ball. 
He is. And I know he's been burnt at times in the past for being over aggressive, but at least someone out there is trying to make a play. Hopefully we see more of it. Hopefully we can see it start to come together in the secondary though. Like you've said, Akuda great in the run game, 15 tackles, 12 solo, including a tackle for loss. And then the defensive line was a little bit different today as well, because Charles Harris, he was out with an injury, but they got Josh Pascal, their second round pick back in the lineup. And so that meant that Aiden Hutchinson, he shifts from that strong side base end to the rush end. They put Pascal in as the base end and Aiden Hutchinson has a lot better of a day. He has a sack on the very first drive. He beats the left tackle with just a rip, speed rip to the outside. Later in the game, he beats the right tackle with a spin to the inside. Also has three quarterback hits throughout the game. So is that possible that that's all it took was a little change up of positions for Aiden Hutchinson to be unlocked? Well, when you get to that open side, you know, you you take away a, a guy, right? And yeah. you, you allow yourself to be able to do what you do best, right? In college, you probably could play that strong side and you can man the run and the pass. This is the NFL. These are grown men out there. So when Aiden has to play on that strong side, not only does he have to get wider from the quarterback because he got the, he got the guard, he got the tackle, and he has a tight end to his side generally, right? Tight end chips you. That makes it tougher to get there, right? Then you're going against the tackle, but you're you're, you're a little farther out already. And you got to play the run to the strong side. He may not be as good of a run defender with runs coming straight at him like that. And it just takes a lot out of you, so it slows you down in the pass rush. That's why you hear those commentators all the time say, to slow down a great pass rusher, you run right at him. Just run right at him and wear him down, tire him out beat them up so then it slows them down when it's time for them to rush the passer right that's why you see some of these guys you know they may not even be on on the field on first and second down but come third down we putting those guys out there why because they're pass rushers so then when you when you move Aiden to the open side you take that tight end away and now you can do certain things with your scheme to where you're getting him one-on-one with a tackle and you just got to do what you do, right? You got to be a rusher. You got to be a first-round draft pick. And you got to go win some of those battles. And that's what we saw today, him getting a sack early in the game, him getting a sack later in the game, him putting pressure on the quarterback like that. You know, those spin moves, the only thing about that spin, and it didn't come to hurt us in that time, when you're that outside rusher, unless you got a, another end or a linebacker that's wrapping around to get contained, you cannot spin to the inside like that because it opens up the outside for Dak or whoever that quarterback is to just escape around the edge and they're on the edge of your defense. So a lot of times, if you got somebody rapping, uh, another defensive lineman, or you got a pressure where you got a linebacker coming to take outside contain, that's perfectly fine. Otherwise, you need to make moves to the inside and spin back to the outside so that you can at least make sure you have contain and still go get to the passer. I'll be honest with you. I had the exact same reaction watching it in real time because I feel as though you and I are a little bit traumatized from seeing Aiden Hutchinson get a pressure, but then just letting the quarterback go around the outside. So I had that flashback. I was glad to see him capitalize on it. And I was just glad of the performance that the Lions had on defense throughout the game. I know if you look at the final score, you might not feel that way, but that's the offense putting the defense in bad positions with the turnovers. Yeah, I mean, that's five turnovers in the second half. Like, yeah. that's that's tough. That's tough on any defense, anybody. And the lines, I thought, I put in my notes just watching the game, the Lions defense is playing way better. They're playing way better. No, it didn't equate to a win. No, it doesn't even look good. You get beat 24 to 6, right? But when you get beat 24 to 6, obviously the offense isn't scoring any points. And then when you look at deeper and there's five turnovers, I mean, you're lucky that you only gave up 24 points because it could have easily been 35-42 when you have five turnovers. Back to back to back to back, like, that's tough. The short fields are going to kill you. So to see the Lions clamp down and hold them to that, I was impressed with it. And here's the thing with sports media is, oh, well, the Lions defense has been bad this year. We must fire Aaron Glenn the guy that everyone loved last year because the Lions defense overachieved. So it's just, there's no consistency in it. 
it's ridiculous that people are calling for Aaron Glenn's head already. Do you think this is going to quiet it down a little bit after this performance, or do you think it'll be more of the same? Whoa, they gave up uh, twenty. They gave up twenty-four. Yeah, I don't think it's going to quiet it down. And I, I think it's. I mean, they lost twenty-four to six. So people that didn't watch the game and people who don't know, quite frankly, just going to still say they gave up twenty-four points. You know, even when Trayvon Diggs caught the interception, they were backed up on probably the 10, 15 yard line because it was a deep pass and they literally just drove the ball right down the line's throat. Right. So, yeah, you gave up a turnover. Your offense had a turnover. Defensively, you go out there and stop them. Right. They drove right down the field. Um, You know, later in the game, you know, they went on another five minute drive. They ended in touchdown by, by Dak. Right. Like. Yeah, we can say that, and and it is rightfully so. Offense is not putting you in any situations to help you, but that's a part of being on a team, right? You, what are you saying about the offense two weeks ago when they scored 45 and you gave up 48, right? Like, you got to bail each other out sometimes. That's why I say to be a really good football team, you need to be able to win all three ways. If you need to win that game 9-6, to six, you need the defense to be able to hold up and win 9-6. to six. Right. If you need to win a game two weeks ago or opening week, 48 to 45, then you need the offense to be able to put up 48 points. Right. When you need a special teams guy to give you a big kick return or a punt return so you can get a field goal to win at the end or a block punt or some kind of way where you get a touchdown and win it and you can make a play on special teams, then you got to have that. If you're always dependent on the offense to score 40, you're not going to win a lot of games. If you're always depending on the defense to shut everybody out, it's going to be tough. That's why you're already team. So today, today, the Lions needed the defense to hold up more. They did. The offense needed help today. The last two games, the offenses needed help. They've been without stars. New England Patriots, 29-0. They can't score. We can't give up 29 points. Special teams, we got to find a way to get a turnover. We got to find a way to get a return. Defense, we got to find a way to give, uh, give our offense a short field. We can't expect them to just do this because we're missing our players. So I don't think they're going to look at this and say, oh, well, the Lions, they, they defense played okay. They just gave up five turnovers. I think it's going to be the same thing. Is it right? I don't think they should call for Aaron Glenn's head. I feel like you need to, you, you have to some at some point create some consistency. This is who we are. This is who we're going to be. And we're going to give you guys time. How much time? I don't know. And it all depends on right now, like what I said a couple weeks ago. What did I say a couple weeks ago? Now you're one in five. And it's November almost, late October in Detroit. It's already snowing out there. It's already snowing out there. It's already 30 degrees in the morning time. Get real cold in Detroit. Late in the season, especially when you're already out of the playoff hunt. That's what tells whether they want to get rid of coach or not. If the defense continues to play hard and the team continues to play hard and continue to look like they're improving, then those guys, if they start to put bad product on the field, they're going to have to make a change because now they don't respect the coach. They don't believe in the coach. They're not playing for the coach. They're not doing anything. And they're going to have to make a change. And then you're going to be in the same boat unless they hire <clears> – <throat> I ain't going to say no names. <laughs> I get you. I get you. But <laughs> I ain't going to say no names. No name dropping here. We don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I think we know. However, I agree completely. You need this consistency. And we just saw this with the Panthers with Matt Rule, where in his third season, he lost the locker room. So they fired him less than three years into a six-year deal. Dan Campbell, I believe his deal is a five-year deal. It could be a six, but I think it's five. And with that in mind, the Lions ownership said, hey, we're giving you a five-year deal because we understand that this is going to take some time. It's going to be a work in progress. We all got overhyped because of the preseason and hard knocks and all of that, but have to remember what the intention was. And so as long as the locker room is not lost, you just have to wait it out and kind of see what happens. I know it's frustrating seeing Dan Campbell lose in his return to Dallas, where he was a captain, mind you. So that's probably stings a little bit more for him. 
but I really don't understand calling for anyone's job on the coaching staff right now. On the other hand, though, the other thing that now fans are calling for after this game is a new quarterback in 2023. People were willing to give Jared Goff his chance. They were willing to see, especially early in the season, see how it went. But after the last couple games, it feels as though one pride. And this is just what I'm seeing online from fans hearing from my friends who are Lions fans. People are frustrated with Jared Goff, and they're already starting to look at the college quarterbacks, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Alabama, and Ohio State. So what's your message to the fans with that kind of mentality, and what do you think about Jared Goff going forward? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, I, I, I think, you know, we're seeing exactly who people are. And I think when when you're winning or when you're supposed to win or when you're playing well, some things are overlooked. When you start to lose and the way you lose, it magnifies things. So we get it, Jared Goff. You've been without some weapons last couple of weeks. That's when we need you to be great. That's when we need to see a little more fire a little more energy, a little more passion, a little more something to get the guys going. We can't see a stale performance against New England and score zero points. We can't see another stale performance today and have four turnovers. You can be stale and quiet and all that stuff when you're winning, you got your players and you don't have to do much. You overlook it some. When you don't have that, we need you to create more energy. We need you to create more fire under the guys, but that's not who you are. So you're not one of those guys that's going to make us believe when there's nothing looking like worth believing in. You know what I'm saying? Like you have some of those guys that even when it don't look great, you're like, you know what? He going to figure out a way. Like he going to do something because he just ain't, giving up he played too hard his passion is just like he's gonna find a way to do something jared Goff is like mm, nonchalant mm, this and that and and i know the fans or the players always say my teammates know who i am they know how much i care they know this they know that that's good but the world needs to know too because if not, there's so much pressure from everybody calling for your head that it makes it difficult for you to focus. The teams hear it. They're not deaf. They hear it. The coach is getting asked about it in his press conferences. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, your teammates know, but the world doesn't know. The world doesn't see you. You know what they see? They see Tom Brady showing some passion, even though they're getting smacked. They see him getting mad and cussing and doing all these things. They see Aaron Rodgers dropping F-bombs and all these different things. They see these other quarterbacks that looks like they're trying. They're fine. They're like they're trying to get guys going. We don't see that from Jared. So why believe in something that's not there? So then now you sit here and say, well, the Lions are two years behind because they could have probably made a move last year and got somebody as a quarterback. But they stuck with Jared, so you lose this year. So now what do you say? You don't want to tank, do you? You want to tank. So do you take a first-round quarterback next year? Well, then you got to give him some time. Because he's going to be a rookie. And as we know, it's very difficult for rookies to just come in right now and play. The best rookies that come in right now 
and play are the third or fourth rounders that end up going to good football teams. Very rarely do you see the first round pick that's a quarterback that goes to a bottom performing team, take that team and turn it around the next year. Very rarely. It's hard for him too because he don't have a lot of stability. Coaches getting fired. Offensive coordinator get fired because of this or that. Head coach get fired. You know, you got two or three. I mean, you look at uh, Trevor Lawrence. You got two offensive coordinators, two head coaches in two years, right? Yeah. That's slow, that's, that slows up your development. Because everything you learned last year, now you got to learn something totally new. So now this is your first year in the system. But it's on your second year in the league. You're still trying to learn how to play in the NFL. And you're having to learn two completely new systems. The best ones that you see are the guys, the first rounders that go late in the first round, so they go to decent teams, or the third or fourth rounders, like the Russell Wilsons, that go to a good football team, and they don't need you to be much. They don't need you to be the savior. They just need you not to lose it. And so I kind of wonder with that in mind, because Goff is under contract for next year. So there is a chance that they do draft a quarterback and have him sit behind Goff to start the year. And it's also interesting because the offensive line is so good and they are under contract for a while. They do have the weapons in St. Brown and Swift. Maybe Chart comes back. Hawkinson's going to be back. So there's a chance that this whatever rookie quarterback would be buoyed by the talent around him. And maybe it's a different style of not losing the game because at times it feels as though golf is now losing the game for us, not just managing it. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this season develops and back to golf for a moment. When you talk about leadership, there's all sorts of leaders. You get the leaders like Joe Montana where he's ice cold, but he just has this feeling around him where he can calm down the entire team by pointing to John Candy in the stands. Same kind of thing with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert where it's, hey, you know, these guys, they don't say a whole lot, but you just feel it coming off of them. You can see the magical throws that they can make. Goff just has none of that. And so... I don't know where you go from here. It's going to be interesting with the draft pick too, because right now there's only three teams with only one win. The Lions are one of them. The Texans are one of them, but they've got the tie. So they're up on the Lions in the standings. And the other is the Raiders who are playing the Texans today. Right. Because the Panthers somehow got a win. And I thought they were destined to not win a game the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, I know this is the Believe in Lions podcast, but unfortunately, unless the Lions can get back to full strength quickly, I don't know when they get another win. Yeah. I I don't I don't know when they get another win. Because like you said, early in the season, when you have those playmakers, when you have DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. Amon Ross St. Brown. You have those playmakers. Yes, Jared Goff can just be a manager. When those playmakers are gone and you need Jared Goff to be big time, he's not that. He's not that. The course of history has shown that he's not that. Right? I mean, I was just talking to my brother-in-law and I was just like, you know, if a guy is a consistent 285 batter. He may start out the year on an 0 for 15, 0 for 18 slump. But you know by the end of the year, he's going to be done worked his way back up to be around 285. Because for 10, 11 years in a row, that's where he's been. He may start out on a hot streak and be batting 500. You know he's going to cool off and he's going to end up around 285. Jared Goff is going to be who he's going to be. He's shown us that year in, year out. That is who he is. So 
it's tough. I just I don't even know who they got next. Who they got next? The Dolphins. They got the Dolphins next. Then they got the Packers at home, and we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in a bit. And then they go to Chicago and face the Bears. So that's a winnable game, but it's also in Chicago, right? Right. Right. Then they get right. they head to New York and face the Giants, who won today. They get the Bills at home on Thanksgiving on a short week. Then it's the Jaguars at home. So the Lions host the Jaguars. Lions head to New York for the Jets. Lions head to Carolina against the Panthers. So that's another winnable game. We got Bears and we got Panthers. Then we got Bears at home for week 17. And then the Lions head to the Packers for week 18. That's three winnable games the rest of the year. And two of them are against Chicago. Yeah, but I don't. I... I'm being gracious with the winnable, too, is the right. thing. Like it is is gonna be tough. And I mean I remember us going through this early in the preseason, looking at those games, it's like, oh yeah, they'll beat Chicago. Oh yeah, they'll beat the Jets. Oh yeah, they'll beat Carolina. Carolina played Giants. a great game. Carolina smashed Tampa today. Who knows? They might be like they're showing signs. You know, <laughs> if the Texans go and beat the Raiders or they play the Raiders tough, I don't know if I gotta do my power rankings this week, but I think the Lions slide some more. Carolina won. They get bumped up probably. Commanders won. They get bumped up. I mean, the Raiders beat the Texans, but it's a close game. One of them still going to have one win, but they may be better and more competitive than the Lions. I mean, I, it's just difficult right now, and it's very heartbreaking for me. Like, it's it's tough. It's tough because I want to believe in the Lions. I want those guys to do well, and they're literally not showing it. We can't. We can't want it more than they do. We can't will it upon them. It's something's got to happen at some point, and it's frustrating. I I'm sure it's probably equally, maybe not equally frustrating, but it's probably similarly frustrating to be a Packers fan right now, losing to the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders with a backup quarterback, Taylor Heineke, in three straight weeks. Heineke throws for over 200 yards, two TDs, does have a pick six, but the Commanders also run for 161. So Commanders run for more yardage than Aaron Rodgers throws for. Rogers has the two touchdowns and they only run for 38 yards. They don't even bother at the end of the game to try a Hail Mary. They go for the, the little laterals, the dink dunk. You, you know what I'm talking about. The schoolyard BS that we can see from longest yard. Is Rogers ring finger bothering him more than he's letting on? I was about to say, I think the thing that we're seeing more so than the Packers just losing or getting beat by the Jets, or getting beat, we are seeing that Aaron Rodgers, because at one point in time, he could have had anybody at wide receiver, and you felt like he could beat the Jets. He can beat the Commanders. But right now, we're seeing that Aaron Rodgers can't just beat those guys, right? He's not getting as many passes downfield as he as he generally could. He's not running as much as he used to to, to keep teams off balance. The short passes, teams are not fearing that. Allen, Allen Lazard, they don't fear Allen Lazard. I'm sorry. So these teams are not coming in to Lambeau or welcoming the, pay, the Packers in and feeling like it's going to be a very tough game because of Aaron Rodgers. And he, yes, can still make throws. But it's a difference when you're making that throw two or three times a game and you're making that throw nine or ten times a game. Right? There was a time when you gave Aaron Rodgers a nod because he's going to get it done. Right now, I don't think you're giving him that nod, and that's why they're losing these games to teams that you feel like they just shouldn't be losing to. Same thing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There were times where Tom Brady would beat the commanders. Tom Brady would beat that awful Steelers team. 
Not anymore. Not anymore. Those guys are great players, but they're more game managers now. Tom Brady's not throwing the ball downfield as much, right? They're game managers right now. They're smart. They're game managers right now. They're not going to win games for you. So if you don't have good players around them, which those guys still command a lot of money, but when you don't have good players around them, tough. Because they're not winning the games for you anymore. And we can't put it all on Brady because everyone saw the Mike Evans dropped in the bread basket where he throws it at the ref, essentially. But again, the old Tom Brady would make up for that with five right. or six or seven more plays just like it. Right. I mean, you, so, you got to beat 21 and three. Yeah. I mean, that would have been 21 10. You still would have lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, 21 10. Yeah. It's, it's, it's honestly quite sad as a fan of football to see some of the greats of the game decline. And we felt the same way when Peyton Manning, his was a little bit quicker because he tore his quad and that pretty much was it the second time around. We saw the drop off with the neck, but it really was a crescendo with the torn quad. Whereas Rogers and Brady, were just seeing this slower and slower and slower drop off. And it's quite sad. And, one of the players that led Tom Brady to lose was Brian Burns, the Panthers' edge rusher. Apparently, the Panthers turned down two first-round picks for him just this week because the Panthers are in rebuild, but they're not selling completely. After Brian Burns' performance today, is that something where maybe that actually did happen, or do you think the Panthers are lying to try and raise the price? Well, I mean, I think, you know, that could possibly happen because at some point you got to anchor down and say, this is, we got to build our franchise, mm-hmm. right? Like at some point you got to anchor down. And if you feel like you got franchise foundational pieces that's proven, then you got to stick with them because yeah. otherwise you're getting two first round draft picks, but who knows how good they're going to be? Who knows how they're going to turn out in the league? Who knows who's going to be available for you at that time? Are there going to be foundational cornerstone pieces? Just because you're a first-rounder doesn't mean you're going to be a cornerstone piece to an offense or a defense. doesn't mean that. That means you're talented. But that don't mean you're going to be a cornerstone piece. There's a lot of first-rounders that don't play four years, lots of them. So I don't think that they're saying that to – try to get three first rounders. I think they got a couple guys that they feel like we need to keep these guys. We got enough draft picks from, you know, these other trades and things like that, that we can't give up our our guy to get two first rounders. I, so I, I, I think that's, that, that truthfully happened. I don't think they're gassing it up. And that's what I'm kind of leaning towards is, it's going to look awfully silly if this report comes out that they've turned down two first and they later accept two first or get less than that. So I think they're telling the truth and I think they're telling teams, hey, it's going to take a godfather offer to get this player out of us, an offer we quite literally can't refuse to give us a couple full drafts like they did back in the day for Ricky Williams type mm-hmm. thing, but... I don't see it happening. I think that the Panthers are saying, hey, especially after today, hey, right. we've got some cornerstones here. Right. I, I think they like, you know, I think they got, I feel, I think they, I think they like the new environment, you know, getting Robbie Anderson out of there. He probably was toxic. He probably was toxic. Right. Baker probably felt it. Probably was toxic environment. Nobody wants to work in that. So getting him out of there and then Baker being hurt, I think, today and somebody else, you know, so just having some fresh air. Guys play well. They got beat Tampa. But at the end of the day, I was telling somebody because they be on me about my power rankings. And I'm sitting here like, I'm going to rank people for who they are, not what they're supposed to be. Everybody wants Tampa to be in the top 10 because they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be good. They got Mike Evans. They got Tom Brady. They got these guys. They're supposed to be, but they're not. We want Aaron Rodgers to be in the top 10 because he's supposed to be, but they're not. We don't want the Jets to be up there because they're not supposed to be, but they are. 
rank teams based off who they are, not what they're supposed to be, not what we want them to be. They've played seven games. We can see who you are. That's how I feel about it. There's enough information out there that, yeah, we know who these teams are. And so with that in mind, do you have any final thoughts on who any of these other teams are that played today? Any of the teams that are playing tonight, this afternoon, tomorrow? What are Glover's final takeaways from week I mean, I, thought, I, th- I think this, the, this early slate of games was, was good. I think Cincinnati put on the show that came out early. Joe Burrow was locked in. You know, finding Jamar Chase for a few touchdowns. Those guys are finding their rhythm. Seem like they're getting off of that, you know, that slow Super Bowl hangover start. They got explosive guys offensively. Defensively, they can get stops. Joe Burrow is cool. We've we've always known that. So those guys look to be hitting their stride right now. And, I, I, you know, Baltimore snuck and got a win today. They didn't play great against the Cleveland team. But, you know, that's going to be a tough game. Always division games. Cleveland's been playing tough, running the football. I don't know what kind of kick that was at the end of the game. But Baltimore snuck out of there with a win. But we're seeing some of those same things creep up on Baltimore, being ahead in the fourth quarter and letting teams back into the game. So I don't think you can continue. I don't think you can survive. And they haven't survived those games against good teams. They beat the Cleveland team probably because they're better than Cleveland. But when you're playing Baltimore, I mean, you're playing Cincinnati, you're playing some of the better teams, you're not going to get away with that. So I think if Cincinnati can continue to do what they're doing, they're going to end up winning that division. And then Baltimore is going to be fighting for a play, I mean, for a wild card spot. I'm interested to go see what the Jets look like, you know, coming off a big win last week. Can they keep that up and go and win a game that they should win against a Denver Broncos team without Russell Wilson, right? Can they go and win that game like they're supposed to? Um, the Giants, they went found a way, right? People underestimate Jacksonville. They've always been a tough off defensive team and they scrappy. So it's not like the Giants are going to just go in there and run away with it and blow them out. But they found a way to win another football game and they're just building more character, more team, whatever, to find ways to win tough games. So I think we saw that. Um, you know, I, I talked about the Commanders. They they found a way to get a win. You know, they 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 beat Green Bay. Carson Wentz was out. You know, that's could be could could this be Tyler Henneke's, you know, Bailey Zappi moment, right? Carson Wentz is out. Henneke comes in. They find a way to get a win against Green Bay, right? Hey man, the Commanders was two. They were two and three. Now they're three and four. Green Bay was three and three. Now they three and four. They're the same record. As bad as the commanders have been, and as good as we've always wanted, and we as we've wanted the Packers to be, they got the same record. They're both three and four. So the way they played today, it could be Heineke's job to lose now. Who knows? So it's it's, it's been good football today. Very interesting. Good storylines. Um, I think we're seeing good teams be good. I don't think we saw too much bad football. I don't, I don't remember seeing any blowouts in the in the early games. So it was all competitive games. Huh? Nineteen ten for the Titans over the Colts is the closest thing to a blowout, and that's not a yeah. Blowout. I mean, Matt Ryan didn't play great. He looked scary. He's throwing interceptions all over the place. Yeah, you know, pick six, and yeah, he, he didn't look good. Jonathan Taylor, I thought, ran the ball pretty good um, for the most part, but. You know, Tennessee, they they won that game. Offensively, they didn't do much, but they get the pick six, and so that always aids, and then you get another pick or so here or there. So um, that division, that's a a weaker division. I think Tennessee will end up winning it. Um, I don't think the Colts are going to do enough in the Texans and the the Jacksonville. They're not going to be there. So I think Tennessee is going to win that division. Um, You know, it's still early, but – it's a good slate of games. You know, these afternoon games would be cool. Go go see what Seattle is doing. Go ahead and see um, what the Texans and Raiders are doing. You know, I think we're all just waiting for the Raiders to be that good team that, that we wanted them to be. They got Derek Carr. They got, you know, Devontae Adams. They got, you know, good running back. Like, 
I think we're waiting for them to be that team. And they have the capability that if they can put it together, they can string together three or four or five wins in a row and go from one and four or one and three to a four and four or five. You know what I'm saying? They can find a way. I don't think anybody looks at those guys as just like surefire wins. Yeah. Because they have guys, they can put up points. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. So interested to see how they do it today against the Texans. Um, and then go watch the San Francisco and the Chiefs game, right? The San Francisco is still injured. But hey, it's the NFL. You want to be considered a good team, you got to go and beat good teams. So playing against Kansas City, coming off a loss last week. Didn't they lose last week? Uh, Kansas City. To the Bills, they right? Lost, yeah, they lost to the Bills last week. Yeah. Coming off a loss, Kansas City can't lose. Good teams don't lose two games in a row. San Francisco lost last week. Kansas City lost last week. Good teams don't lose two games in a row. So let's go and see. So I'm interested to check it out. I'm interested to see what happens. I'm interested to see what happens the rest of the season as well. Because there is a lot of football left ahead of us. Glover and I are going to be here to help you through all of it. So make sure you give us a like, subscribe, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Check out our sponsors over at Bet Online. And until then, we will see you next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.